0: Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and in the studio with me this afternoon is my friend Lee
1: Cantor. How you doing, man? I am doing good. I'm excited. This is the last interview before lunch begins. I'm the one thing holding you back from lunch. <laughs> You're it, man. Exactly. Oh, i sad for this you. This is going to be in and out, three questions. But he's well, an author- thanks for joining us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's an author, speaker, vice president, uh, and trainer with Turpin Communication. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Mr. Greg Owen Boger. How
2: you doing, man? I'm doing really well today, thanks.
0: So give us a little insight into Turpin first. Uh, what are you guys out there trying to do for the market?
2: Yeah, Turpin Communication is a presentation and facilitation skills training company. We're based here in Chicago. We've been around for 23 years. I've been around for, I think, 19 of those. So it's actually surprising to me that I'm old enough to say I've been doing something for 19 <laughs> years. But, yeah, we're, that's what we do.
0: What's your favorite part about the job so far?
2: The favorite part of my job is working with people who experience a great deal of nervousness in in their public speaking. And when we can work with them and really help them understand how to take control of their nerves and break through it and then actually communicate uh, confidently and effectively, that's the favorite part of what I get to do.
1: Now, is there any correlation between people who are nervous in private conversations and public and public conversations?
2: I suppose there probably is, but I wouldn't pretend to be a, an expert in private conversations. Mm-hmm. But uh, as it turns out, people who experience nervousness—it's of course triggered by different things for different people. But what we found out is or what we've discovered working with people over the years is that when people can just simply settle into the conversation and and rely on the same skills that they rely on in everyday low stakes conversations, they can then apply that to the higher stakes situations that they face whether they're speaking, you know, to the C suite or just to their team or at a conference or whatever communication event they happen to be working in.
0: Well, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I know there's been some emphasis for some years in equipping someone to make the big presentation or to make boardroom presentations. And I'm sure there are mechanics and there's probably some cool acrostic or mnemonic to help you remember the things you want to do or how to do. Uh, But every bit is important, if not more so. It's just... The day-to-day, one-on-one, one-to-two, one-to-three <laughs> conversations, right?
2: Exactly. In fact, we don't really work with big speeches. In fact, we reject the word speech entirely. What we work with is uh, orderly conversations. So th- if, you, if you think about it, one of the reasons that people experience so much discomfort p- speaking in public is because the bar has, is too high. They've, they put the bar too high because in, well, let's take, for example, Speech 101 in college. We were taught to deliver a speech, A speech is a one-way communication event that has very little, uh, the audience has very little influence over the overall effect of that communication event. That's not what we do day-to-day in business, and most people have not yet recognized that. And so we have a book coming out called The Orderly Conversation, Business Presentations Redefined, and that's what we're setting out to do is to redefine the business communication events so that they are more like facilitated conversations rather than speeches. And, and as it turns out, working with our clients for so long, it makes all the difference.
0: So we have a book. We? I, well, I'm, just, I'm trying to envision, like, I know you and I want to do a book. Yes. But, and you've written a book on your own. I've written a book on my own. Uh, tell me a little bit about the we part of writing a book. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be some challenges, Right.
2: Uh, working with a co-author? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, yeah. I suppose there are some <laughs> challenges. Um, so, or my, am
0: I just a stubborn guy? I don't know.
2: Well, uh, I'll show you or tell you a little bit about what how we manage that process. So, I was not the inventor of this book. My my business partner Dale Ludwig and the founder of Turpin Communication, he came up with the idea originally, and he'd been working on it for quite some time. And every once in a while, he would send me a draft, and I would take a look at it, and I would be like, Yeah, this is great. These concepts are 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 terrific, and It it reflects what we're doing in our workshops with our clients. But there was something that was missing in the book itself. And we finally discovered that Dale is really good at the theoretical stuff. But what the book was lacking was the practical application. How can the reader apply these skills? So what we did then, um, well, I sort of took over for a while and decided that we ought to, because that's what I do. (laughs) That's just something I do. Um, We decided that we should... Uh, draw a picture or, or paint a picture of an actual workshop with eight participants. So we created eight fictional characters, uh, very real, but you know based on our, our real life experience. And so these eight different people uh, work for eight different organizations, have eight very different types of presentations, and have eight very different Personalities. Each each of these personalities is, is different and unique, and so you, the reader, actually follow these eight people through one of our workshops. So, in and the book actually follows how our workshops run. Dale talks about the theoretical stuff. I go boots to the ground and and uh, help apply the concepts to each of the individuals. Because, well, you know this, I'm sure, but we're all wired differently, right? We're all unique. And what works for one person is not at all going to work for somebody else. And so throughout the book, you start to climb into these people's personalities and understand how that works for them.
1: Now, when you're doing uh, your workshop in person, yeah. can you walk us through what that looks like?
2: Sure. Uh, our workshops are typically, let's let's focus on a presentation skills workshop. Uh Typically have eight participants.
1: Oh, so that that so it aligns perfectly. It does aligns. it's not just a coincidence. <laughs> it's not just a coincidence, <laughs> right? Write what you know is what they told us, so okay. we, we did that.
2: <laughs> so the workshop has eight participants, two instructors. There is the uh, the the main room instructor. Let's that's generally Dale. Once the two of but us going let's,
1: out. Let's I want to start before even the workshop. Okay. What What's the pain like that I'm having as a as a client that mm-hmm. I'm going? I need this workshop.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific question. So let's say that you have uh, a, a large team. Your your meetings are boring. People are wasting time. Very I have, inefficient. Do I even
1: know my meetings are boring? I might think I'm having great meetings.
2: You, you might, but you also probably understand that time is money and time is being wasted in, in these team meetings or these presentations. I'm that
1: self-aware?
2: You, as my uh, buyer, you are. Okay.
1: <laughs> Once he's visited with you for a while. <laughs> All
2: right. Perhaps the sat individual... in on one of your meetings and said, by the way, Lee, <laughs> FYI, boring meetings. <laughs> you may not recognize that you are boring, but you certainly would recognize that it your is... individual contributors are not being affected. <laughs> <Right>. they, <laughs> I, would,
1: I would recognize
2: that. But you know what? It might not just be that they're boring. They could be talking in circles and making no sense. They think that they're making sense, mm-hmm. but they're not getting the work done. And that's the key here, right? That yeah. business communication exists for one reason and one reason only. That's to move the business forward. And hopefully it moves forward efficiently. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're seeing in our clients' work lives. We're seeing inefficient meetings, inefficient presentations all over the place. and i'm I wish that I could uh, find find out how much time and energy is being wasted in poor communication because I think we would all be astounded at how much time is being wasted. So our mission is to help fix that problem.
1: But th- are there metrics to say that it's now more effective?
2: Well, uh, I wish I could say that we have some Kirkpatrick model in place that where we can prove that. But first of all, Turpin is a... Uh, we're a vendor company. So often the, the evaluation of training programs uh, is kept at a distance for right. vendors. So we have that issue. But we're also dealing with soft skills where... I know a lot of people don't like that term but until we find a better one that's what we're going to have to use. It's really difficult to to measure that. Of course we do smile sheets. People love us. Um, we just did a program in Oakland last year or last month, last week, boy. Wow. Well, my well, head I just don't... did something weird. <laughs> it was last was... week where it was 100% five so on a 1 to 5 scale on every single um, mm-hmm. question that we ask. So we we certainly have the anecdotal evidence and the smile sheets, but but to prove that you know we've cut wasted time by half. No, there's, there's no way we can do that.
0: So I want to dive back into this book. Were, were Was there a chapter or two that just came together like magic and one or two that, man, it just, I don't, just never thought you, you guys were going to get it together.
2: Oh, oh boy. Um, uh, I think every single chapter had... Had, had, yeah, had the same thing? Had, I, yeah, yeah. Like, how are we going to make this work? And flow. all of a sudden, you know, every, it all starts to sing. Um, but Dale did the initial writing, and then I stepped in... You fixed in. it. When I, um, <laughs> he's right, listening. Dale? I know you're listening, Dale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there was no fixing. It was more about just making it more more practical. More and better. Right. More better. <laughs> and, and one of the things, too, that we've done here to help people really climb into the workshop is we've kept our authors' voices separate. So normally when... Mm. when people write books together. You don't ever really know which voice right. you're reading. That's not the case here. It's very clear what, who, when Dale's speaking and when I am, because there are things that we approach differently. We don't ever disagree about concepts, but we might approach it from a different angle. Mm-hmm.
1: And then that really helps the reader, because then they're kind of getting too uh, kind of two points of view about the same thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. And one of the things we learned from the early readers and the endorsers that, that have uh, read the book and endorsed us is that they latch on to one or two of the characters and they really follow those Probably people you. through well, all the way through. Not not necessarily or me, but, eight, but the, oh, eight well, the eight participants. Oh, one Yeah.
1: And eight. Are those eight people aligned like by personality type? How did you kind of draw those characters out? Well... Uh,
2: uh, we, we laid out what are the major issues that mm-hmm. our clients face. Nervousness, of course, is an easy one to get your arms around. But there are also people who are very self-unaware or unaware of their self, and so they don't really understand how they're coming across. We have one of our characters um, that is actually based on one of my executive coaching uh, clients, I can't tell you who that is, of course, but uh, he was. They'll know it. He when was they quite. Read uh, it. Yeah, he was quite the bulldozer. Oh, they probably and won't know it. I, I don't it's think they right will. That's right. perfect. But after my training, <laughs> they are aware. That's,
1: that's one of the downsides. And so, you know. But,
2: The the beauty of the orderly conversation is that we break the communication process up into two distinct steps. There's the planning of the communication event, and then there's the facilitation of it. And this actually explains why people have such a hard time speaking in public, is because they don't understand that the preparation of the communication has to look forward to the delivery of it. But the delivery of it, because it's a two-way communication, has to be flexible enough to take place within the plan that was created yesterday last week, last month, or whatever, and so the the tension between those two extremes really plays out and so when we were when we were trying to figure out what are these eight characters like, we knew that we needed to have half of them more comfortable on the planning side and half of them more comfortable on the conversation side
1: mm-hmm.
0: and is this a, a one day course a two day course a half day thing uh, what 's the the work oh, the design of it I
2: guess. yeah the the workshop in the book is a two day workshop mm-hmm. and that is the bulk of the work that we do
0: and if I am engaging you, is it a mistake to get the book and hand it out first? Should I should I hold on to that, and that should be part of what the people get as they come through the workshop, or does it really matter?
2: Well, the book hasn't launched yet, so that's not happening until July fifteenth. So I'm not sure. We we don't we don't know yet. Well, what I just would be wonder. because
0: I mean, it sounds like they're very they're very closely related. Yeah. And I want people to get all every advantage they possibly can, but I hate to steal too much thunder from the workshop. Right. The well, I'm asking.
2: There, there's no thunder in the workshop because it's not about us. It's about every individual's improvement. Right. So it's not so much about that. Uh, I would say, though, that nobody wants to go to another presentation skills training program. <laughs> They've been beat up. Yeah, they, right. they really have. They've been beat up either in, in college or in the, uh, I'll just say it, the, the, the really not very good, Uh, workshops that are available that are still based from our competitors that are based on the old 101 model Mm -hmm. and so you know people have been beat up they've been told i have to stand a certain way i have to look a certain way i have to gesture a certain way no more than five bullet points per slide Uh, those rules become um, unnecessary when you start thinking about an orderly conversation and so although there's skepticism for people coming coming into a workshop we give them the permission to let all of that other crap go and just be themselves and then figure out how can they be themselves in this dynamic communication situation. And so the skepticism might be lessened if they read the book first. That's actually what we discovered when we launched our e-learning courses, the um, the pre-work for them, is that uh, they are imperfect and we did that on purpose because we think that saying um once in a while or or gumming up a word or a phrase isn't that big of a deal it's it's in your recovery where you show your your professionalism right. or your personality and so we intentionally made our e-learning courses imperfect and people love that mm-hmm. aspect of them because they realize oh wow i'm not going to have to be a cookie cutter i'm not going to have to be like a flight attendant with these particular st- styles <laughs> of gestures i can be myself
1: so now how do you purposely
2: make something imperfect so all of our e-learning courses are video based and they're not scripted
1: i there was like typos Oh, no, it's, oh, a, it's
2: the video. So, so, you know, if Dale is, is one of the instructors. I'm one of the instructors. He does a
1: better job at the imperfectness.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dale, he said that. <laughs> Lee said that, not me. <laughs> so what, what happens on the video? So we might accept uh, an imperfect take. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I mean. We always make sure that our subjects and verbs agree. We're communication experts. We ought to be able to do that. But if we flub up a word or...
0: It's real. It's authentic. It's, 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 it's more conversational. It's probably more... Because listenable.
1: you care about the outcome, not exactly how it's done, right? We
2: care about... Exactly. Exactly. How you get there, we don't care.
0: So I want to read a line or two from some notes that I have on preparing for this conversation because of all of my pre-show research, and it's talking about training managers. And I know sometimes they struggle uh, about getting in. They talk about wanting to get a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, and I may be taking it out of context, but if I am, you can rescue it. Okay, well. uh, but what just really caught my eye, uh, they need to get in, learn what needs to be learned, and get back to their jobs. Uh, speak to that a little bit about this focus on the trainer's responsibility to learn what needs to be learned and then incorporate that into what they're trying to do. Can you?
2: Sure. So it goes back to what I said earlier about moving business forward efficiently. Every business communication needs to do that, and we think that training is a business communication that needs to move the business forward. So the learners in any corporate training situation need to get in, learn the thing, and get out. And what we see... Is and this goes back to the um, earning a seat at the table, is that learning managers and trainers are frustrated because they don't feel like they're getting the respect that they deserve from the business. What we see going in and observing people and figuring out how can we help them train more efficiently, better, is that so many people, trainers, are wasting the learner's time by by somehow... Um, inorganically manipulating the training session and wasting people's time let me give you uh, a good example uh, a client of ours called us up this is, was a few years ago and he said i've got this big initiative that is going out and uh, it's not it's not effective it's just not working and what i need for you guys to do is come in and observe one of these workshops that they were they were rolling out i forget how many nationwide 50 60 70 of these of these deliveries and so our, he asked us to come in, observe, and see if we could figure out what was wrong. Well, I knew what was wrong within two minutes because, well, first of all, this particular session was on July 2nd. So people had to fly in on New Year's Day to go to a training session. Uh, yeah, 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 Right, so that was thing number one. That <laughs> was January 2nd. Well, what did I say? July. Oh, January. He's Thank just you. doing
0: that to demonstrate a point he was okay, making I'm earlier. Sorry. Will you leave him
1: alone? Yeah. No. <laughs>
2: It started with a J. When he said July,
1: I thought he was talking about July 4th, and then July 2nd was the bad part. It was really bad timing. It was bad
2: timing. It was January. Okay, so the very first thing that happened in this workshop is an icebreaker. Now, there was no ice to break because these employees all already know one another. So there's no ice to break. And the question was, there were about 30 people in the room. The the question was, let's go around the room and um, tell us a little bit about your favorite Christmas gift as a kid. Okay, so thing one, not everybody in that room is a Christian. That's no, something you need you to. Just,
0: you just alienated all the Jews and the, the Muslims right there. Exactly. <laughs> now, I don't think there were any
2: Muslims in the room, but that's not the point. <laughs> right. Uh, we could have had some atheists there too, right? Right, exactly. And so, about thirty minutes was eaten up with everybody going around the room and just sort of with an eye roll talking about, you know, their their radio flyer as a good. Now, I love radio flyer; they are a client of ours. <laughs> but but we don't need to talk about that in right, in the beginning sure. of a training session. And then at the end of the day, the trainers were rushing to get to get through the material. Now,
1: because do the they map. wasted thirty percent of the time on the icebreaker that wasn't necessary. Exactly.
2: So how is that moving business forward and how is that helping those people earn a seat at the table? It's not. No. So
0: well and and speaking of orderly conversations, equally frustrating even if you get a little icebreakery thing in in 5 to 7 minutes when when you treat that as an isolated event, and you're like, okay, now let's do the training, as opposed to the reason I share that, the reason I had you engage in that exercise is because it's analogous to at least connect the two. Right.
2: And, and so my friend, Matt Elwell, who's actually having a birthday today, uh, he is the CEO of Comedy Sports, and he really likes activities, and I respect that a lot. And he and I sort of butt heads uh, playfully once in a while because of this, because I come from a from the other angle but what he says is just, just make these activities relevant and so, so I, I get yeah. that if you can but the problem that we see is that a lot of trainers really have a hard time connecting those dots so, so what's a better way to do it well, don't. Well, don't. <laughs> yeah, is that, so that, is is that, that a better your way? counsel? My my counsel <laughs> is don't. Let's engage people in a meaningful conversation that they can contribute to. That's where the deep learning happens, anyway. Not you know not from a push perspective, but from a, a push pull. And so maybe people will, will hate going to training less, and they will actually feel like they've participated in something that was meaningful, and they got back to their desk in half the time. So how do you start a one of your uh... Meetings. It always has some sort of connection with getting people talking. So in in our case, our workshops are not effective if people aren't participating fully. So we need to create the conditions for a fruitful training session, a a fruitful conversation. And uh, I talked about pre work. Right. We also do a pre workshop assessment that gets people thinking about the workshop ahead of time. They they tell us what do they feel what What strengths do they feel that they bring to the table? What weaknesses do they have? What good feedback have they received? What bad feedback have they received? That helps us climb into their heads a little bit so that we can focus that very first few minutes on them. And we ask them, okay, this is what we heard from you. Talk more. So you go to an individual and say, Bob, this is what I... I read. here's your sheet. Bob, you said something about receiving you, some feedback. You said before. you don't
1: like to be the center of attention in meetings. Let's <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> we might we you know might put we Bob as second or third cuz we wouldn't want Bob to be you know right. feel like he's on the
2: uh, on the spot. But that, that's basically mm-hmm. how it is. And as soon as that first person starts talking, everyone else well, is so up. relieved and they open up and amazing thing happens. Here here's an example. I was working with a group of physicians a couple of week, weeks ago and I knew that we were going to have some egos, or I assumed we would have some egos. I was actually wrong about that. but So there's you know, my own assumptions uh, playing a negative role there. But anyway, we started talking about nervousness. Now, none of these physicians admitted on the assessment that they experienced nervousness. Got around to one of the guys, and he said, you know what? I actually lied. I experienced a great deal of nerves, nervousness. Now, had we not created the conditions for a fruitful conversation, he never would have felt comfortable enough to admit right. that. And then I, I may have figured it out through the course of the workshop, but his admission there allowed me or helped me understand how I needed to mold the coaching that I was going to provide for him. And that never would have happened had he not made that admission.
0: So I want to ask about that the the role of. Uh, this capacity ability, ability and willingness to to shift what you are going to do today so that you meet the real needs of the learner and it, it kind of goes to that sentence i read earlier that says they need to get in learn what needs to be learned and get back to their jobs yeah i was actually reading it a little bit differently to myself in that the trainer needs to find out what needs to be learned, needs to find out what these people ah. really, really need. So that's how I was reading that. You were reading is it as a needs something? assessment. Yeah. Okay. As an on-site, real-time, is, it, uh, is that a dangerous thing to expect of people because some trainers are more insightful and, and able to do that? Or is that something we should expect of our trainers?
2: I think it's something we should expect. That should be a given, that you are able to connect with the learners. What are their needs? What do they already know? What do they not know? What are they wrong about? What What adjustments need to be made in the way they're thinking about
0: and can we ditch the two o'clock exercise if that's not going to fulfill? If eighty percent of our people need some something else, uh, I mean, you, you would be an advocate for ditching the two o'clock exercise and going to exercise two B or whatever. Or forget the exercises forget the- altogether. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we make adjustments to the training plan on the fly all the time, and our, our clients are very comfortable with that because we built, you know, we we build this this extreme level of trust they they know that we're gonna we're gonna get the job done we may not do it the same way we did it last week with their with that other group of theirs but we will get the job done and you have to be fearless and you have to be really smart you have to be nimble and flexible and and those are the skills that we actually teach and so in that way i'm hoping that the cobbler's children have shoes right because it's it's rather meta when when we go out we're teaching people to do what we are doing right
0: so I got to ask about the sales and marketing piece of this because it seems like a very fascinating work. It it would have to be incredibly rewarding to go out and not only help people with their training but then help other people that help more people this meta level you're talking about. And I got to believe it's not the easiest thing in the world to sell. I mean, you you can't just pick up a phone and call a big company and say you know, I have got the answer. For, can, boy, boy, I do I have a deal right, for you. Or I'm going to drop a book. By, maybe that's why you do a book. Mm-hmm. I, it, anyway, how does the sales and marketing thing work for you guys?
2: Well, first of all, we don't do any outbound sales. It's all inbound. Wow. So, and that... In a way that that seems like a strength and, and it's also a weakness to to be sure. but what we've discovered is you're right the cold calls don't work the the hey boy, do I have a deal for you?" It just simply doesn't work. One of the reasons for that is that everybody's been through presentation training and they've they have a bad taste in their mouth right generally speaking. And so what's better is for us to um, demonstrate our expertise, get it out there in through through our blogging, through our websites, through through interviews like this, the book, speaking engagements, all that stuff. People then see, oh, this is something that's different, and I think that's going to be right for my organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So they kind of self discover
2: it. Yeah.
1: And then they're calling you. Yeah,
2: yeah. Now that, as I said, that could be a weakness because we tend to be we we're, we're a fairly small organization because. We, we're, we grow slowly because of that, but that's okay. We're more interested in the quality of the work that we're doing right. than the quantity of it. The, the quantity will eventually uh, will eventually come, and, and that's one of the hopes for the book.
1: Now, when's the book coming out?
2: It comes out July 15. Oh. Yeah, we're very excited. I saw the, the last version, or the final version of the interior design and the book cover. That was quite the process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, so is it a, it's available hardback? It's a hardback or paperback. It's
2: going to be paperback, available through Amazon.com and through our website, TheOrderlyConversation.com.
1: And is it also available for the Kindle?
2: It will eventually be available by Kindle and iBook, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not not just yet.
0: All right. And OrderlyConversations.com is also the, the best. The Orderly
2: place. Conversation.
0: TheOrderlyConversation.com.
2: That's right, and it's singular. There's only one conversation, no s. There's right. one conversation. So that's the plan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the place to go to also just to have a conversation with somebody on your team. That's
2: right. That's right. You can yep. have
1: the conversation the with conversation. his
0: <laughs> <laughs> And if <laughs> you feel like here. having
2: a real conversation <laughs> with us, you can email engage at theorderlyconversation.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming and hanging with
2: us, This man. was fun. Yeah.
0: Well, we got to do it again. I'd like to have you come back. Um, after the book's been out a little while. Yeah. We talk about some of those results or maybe have a, a client come in and talk about the, the book and their work with you. I mean, you're up for that, aren't you? Yeah,
1: it would be interesting to see how you guys work together to improve their um, presentations.
2: I would love to do that, yeah.
0: All right, it's a date. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.